Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi, I'm Jennifer Bean, and I'm here this morning with Allie Isom. And I'm going to reveal a bit um, how we connected. I, um, in developing the Women Who Succeed Network, um, I started asking what other types of women could we add, you know, to the group to offer color, diversity of thought and perspective. And so I picked up the Utah Business Magazine and it happened to be the uh, 30 Women to Watch issue. And so I said, I want to get to know this girl. <laughs> and when we talked over the phone, you actually said, I'm actually not with that company anymore. And you told me how you maybe had made the most reckless decision of your life yes. when you chose um, chose to do something different. Yes. So right. fill me in and everybody else who's listening on how you landed in this chair beside me. Start from the beginning. Start from wherever oh, you feel like is okay. important. I, okay. I just want to hear your story. Well, you know, who in their right mind right. leaves a, a really good job with promise and potential to pursue? Where you're clearly succeeding. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they had just asked me to be acting executive officer, and it was a pivot point for the company. But I also felt, for me personally, it was a big pivot point. Okay. It was, you know, when you have those like raw, centered, really core moments where you're like, this is a defining decision for my life. And, and I it, understand that. I'm not going to waste it. And what a gift to recognize that in the moment. Yes. Usually it's hindsight. Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. You look back and go, wow, what did I do? Right. <laughs> or how wonderful was that? It worked right. out. You right. Know? But this time it was very, very intentional. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a woman who's comfortable with change. I moved 13 times growing up. Uh, my dad was in sales and we would be relocated for his jobs often or a lack of a job and we'd have sure. to find, go find a new one. opportunity. Yeah. And you learn to be resilient. You learn that yeah. starting over isn't the worst thing in right. the world, although it's really hard. And I think there are certain times in your life, especially as a teenager, yeah. where it's harder. Sure. Um, but I did learn change is a good thing and adventure is a, new, a good thing. And to trust my inner compass a little bit, that I have a pretty good sense of who I am and, yeah. and what I have to offer. And I, you know, there are worse things than losing a political campaign. <laughs> uh, really? You know, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people who would say winning might be the hardest outcome, right? Right. That's so, a good point. Yes. And the journey has been fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So so tell us about that. Are You are currently running for? I am currently running for the U.S. Senate as and a candidate, I, Republican candidate against incumbent Mike Lee. I love that. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited to see where this journey takes you. I know you're not only a politician, um, although... And that's taking some getting used to. <laughs> I'm like, hold on a second. When did I become a politician? Right. And, and do I know how to be a politician? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I just still feel like I'm just Allie. Um, right. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Like yeah. sometimes we feel like our job and other times we're like, I can do that job, but I'm, I'm getting to know myself through my work. Because yeah. you're also a mother, I aren't know. you? I'm a grandma. You're a grandma? I am. Give me your night cream. 
<laughs> I can share. I can share the brand later. Good, good, good. But yeah. So, how many kids do you have? I Allie? have four children: two girls, two boys. Okay. And I have five grandchildren. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, and they're a delight. They are the best part. They're the best part. Are I you mean, living your best like so mom, fun. grandma life right now? It's so fun because you feel this connection with these little people. Yeah. And you see potential, and you're not so uptight about every little thing you do with them. It's more about I'm here for you. How can I help you? Yeah. And I'm just your biggest cheerleader. Oh, I, you know what? I, I wonder how much of that do you think will flow over into your message to us as um, our Republican leader? Yes, absolutely. Hopeful. Does. Absolutely does. Because there, you go through a process of deciding you're going to jump in. Yeah. And one key moment was my five-year-old granddaughter, Aria, mm -hmm. whose name means warrior princess in Hindi. I and I called my girls my warrior princesses. So this one and I have a connection. And she's standing in my kitchen. And I just had this strongest sense of how will I look her in the eye in 20 years and say I didn't do something about the future she'll inherit when I had the chance. Oh, You know, I'm very concerned about what, what we hand off to her, both in sure. terms of our national debt and our climate. Those things concern me. They're our heritage. They're our legacy. And sure. Their heritage, you know, so. Sure. Yeah. And that's what I think we're starting, hopefully, to get an understanding of is that as we get older and I get more mature in my understanding, those things are impacting my life, even if I think they're big problems that somebody else in Washington is going to deal with. Mm -hmm. So you looked in your granddaughter's eyes, Aria, and, and what, what did you say? I will do this. I will yes. go forward. I mean, I felt like if not me, then who? Right. That's um, always a great question. And to I ask. also felt, you know, on January 6th, when you see the Capitol under attack, and yeah. I watched with so many others in tears, thinking, how did we get to this place? Sure. How do we get to a place where people feel so unseen and unheard that they've resorted to violence? Right. And I wanted my country back. I want my party back. But it just felt like a time when good people have to get off the sidelines. We can no longer surrender to these hostile extremes that we see so often sure. in caricature on yeah. cable TV. Yeah, That's not who real Americans are. It's not who we are. Right. Um, but I also feel like I've been, I've been abdicating the dialogue. I've been saying, that's not me. Sure. And, and now it's like, actually, I own this. Every one of us owns what our nation has become. We all sure. have a responsibility to re-engage and to elevate the dialogue. We let it descend to the lowest common denominator, and now it's time to reclaim it and say, that's not who we Make are. it what we want. Yeah. When you say that's not who America is, who do you think we are? Oh, that's a great question because I think it's so varied. I think we're this beautiful tapestry of lots of colors and ethnicities and yeah. heritage and... I think we've inherited freedoms. Sometimes we take for granted in this country. Yeah. You don't. If you travel, you see right the alternatives that are available. And as messy as ours is, it's better than it beats all the other alternatives sure. in my mind. Sure. Um, but I think we're we are a people who are are strong-willed. We're innovative. We solve problems. We like to work together. We have a, a collective investment in the identity and future of our country. Yeah. And I think often we see Americans as resourceful. We find a way. Yeah. We find a way. Yeah. We make things happen. 
and we have confidence in the human capacity to see the big picture and solve the big problems. Yeah. So I think very much as Americans, we've become somehow severed um, in many ways. There are lots of things pulling us apart. Sure. <clears throat> Pardon me. And if we could just turn off the noise and, and start listen. talking to one another, mm -hmm. yes. There are some amazing humans. Yes. Especially in Utah. I yes. have to tell you, as I've been walking the state, so many good people doing amazing things. And my hope is rekindled. Yeah. Um, I've always had it there, but wow, I am falling in love with Utah all over again. Oh, so I love that. People. I love that for us. Yeah. I love that for us. So you talk about the qualities that you think America has and owns. What are what are those that are personally yours? What are the values that you bring to the table personally that are affecting your political pathway? Wow. Uh, I value the contribution of others and I value all voices at the table. I think we get better outcomes when we have a diversity of opinions and thoughts. Sure. I worry about echo chambers. So that's one Good thing. Point. I feel like I'm a uniter and I'm a convener and I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers. Yeah. But I have confidence that together we're going to figure out what's best. Um, I I am determined. Uh, we have a joke in the Isom family. Yes. That, uh, Eric is stubborn. Allie is determined. Um, but <laughs> there's it is, a beautiful difference there's, there. There's a little nuance. It's it's the tenacity piece, right? Sure. It's look. I had a hard childhood. With we'd start over again and again and again, and. I learned that if I wanted something, I had to work to make it happen. No yeah. one was giving me a handout and no one was, you know, I'm grateful for those role models I had. But right. if I wanted to go to debate camp, I raised the money myself. I worked a part-time job or two or three to, to get the means to do so. Yeah. You know, I went to a program called Junior Statesman Summer School at Stanford University. Oh, wow. That what an was, opportunity. It was a tremendous opportunity yeah. for a kid who whose parents didn't graduate from college, who didn't really understand what the world held for me. I met kids of all backgrounds yeah. and, th and opinions and thoughts, and we were taught to challenge authority, to ask questions, to figure out what the policy solution should look like. But it was, I think this, the tuition was something like $1,300, $1,400, and the flights were $500. Yeah. And for me, that might as well have been a million dollars. Sure. We didn't have that. My when you, family When didn't you have don't that. have 50, yes. anything right. is a million dollars. Right. right. Um, expensive. <laughs> right. So I, I put on my high heels and a dress, and I went and talked to the VFW, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, and the Rotary Club, and the Seroptimus, anyone who would let me in the door. And I would say, look, I have this program I want to attend, and I need some help. Yeah. I need people who can invest in me and who can believe in me. Or can you help me find a job that would pay a little bit more than I think it was three seventy-five an hour? You know, I remember those days. Yes, yes, those I days, do. and it was hard. Yeah, but I found people who wanted to help me, who gave me scholarship money and opportunities, and I did not take that experience at Stanford for granted. Not one minute. Yeah, I knew what it took to get there, and I just soaked it up. I loved every minute of it. And it sounds like that still. And how old were you when you did that? I was 16. 16. That, mm -hmm. that seems like it's still influencing your life and what you're trying to create around you. Mm -hmm. What do you think um, was that defining moment that offered you resilience and tenacity? The grit to move forward and not just be stubborn, but to be determined? Mm. 
Uh, was it when it you was, were, or, or did you learn it from your parents even, or? You know, I saw it in my parents. I, I have great role models that way. My, yeah. my mother is as gritty and determined as they come. I love those kind of women. Resourceful, you know, mm -hmm. she often was working two or three part-time jobs. My mom cleaned movie theaters, delivered newspapers, drove the school bus. At one point she was a massage therapist. She was always just trying to keep food on the table for us. Keep things afloat. And she was. Mm -hmm. And we often as a family would pitch in and on the weekends we went as a family to clean the theaters or we delivered the papers together. Um, from a very young age she taught me to work really hard to make things happen. Sure. That you have um, a way to control your destiny. So I was grateful for that example. Uh, yeah, that's when, so important. I love that you noticed that. Yes. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, right. <laughs> at the time, you, I think you're... We're just getting by. Yes, you're just in survival mode. Yeah. Um, but when I was 16, I had a debate coach who came to me and said, Allie, I see potential in you, and if you'll commit to do everything you can, I will commit equally, and we will get you to nationals by your senior year. And that meant I had to choose between the Harvard Debate Tournament and basketball tryouts. Oh, gosh. And I love basketball. I'm a mediocre player at best, just a big body inside. Right, right. I've my got height throw, for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I have a terrible shot. But <laughs> I, I, you know, for me, it was suddenly like, I've been playing basketball my whole life. And I'm going to walk away from My that. whole life. Yeah, when my I'm whole 16, life. I'm my 16. whole 16 years. Yes. Yeah. But I made that decision. I committed to debate. And... Um, and I sat in the back of Miss Arangelovich's, sorry, Miss Arangelovich, uh, her French class and did my debate research. I was like back there, you know, bracketing quotes out of photocopies that I'd made of Time Magazine, right. and US News and World Report, and right. the New York Times. We'd researched at the library, I had stacks of paper, I'd be cutting out evidence. I don't, I can barely ask for cheese and where the restroom is after three years of French. But I, cheese morning, is important though. I, I like know, that. I, I, the right things. Yeah, right? exactly. Right yeah. But, um, I learned to, if I, I, you know, I, if I focused, if I studied, if I prepared, if I, if I did the work, mm -hmm. the outcome would come. And, and we won state in, that year. I had a tremendous partner yeah. I and mean, this was both of us together you know um but I learned that I my voice makes a difference I learned that yes. ideas make a difference and that there are there's a way to to engage other people to mm -hmm. share ideas to get to good outcomes so I really I found my voice in debate but I also learned just work hard right right and I think um, that's such a really wonderful point and you've you've held several different positions as you've worked hard to get where you are today yeah. um, tell me a little bit about that pathway and and what it's added what color it's added to your tapestry okay. as you've as you find yourself sitting here ready to take the next reckless move <laughs> with the well, U.S. Senate. <laughs> I know. I have, a, I have a speech I give that's life is what you make of plan B because yeah. it's never, I'm a planner. I, I want to figure it out. I always thought if you plan and you work hard, you're going to get there. But I have found that often where I end up is not where I plan to go, right. but it's even better. So my husband hates that he, he's like, I'm plan B. I'm like, no, you're actually, the point is plan B worked out better, right? right. It worked out better. Um, but after college, I managed political campaigns and worked in the Republican Party um, and hauled my babies around to events and yeah. to 
volunteer for candidates. And then I worked in the Huntsman administration and a state agency as okay. deputy director at Community and Culture, which was a department over some fascinating and important programs. And right. then I worked at Polar Opposite at Workforce Services as their government affairs lead. Oh, wow. And then I went to work in the Herbert administration, Governor Herbert, who's, on whose campaign I had worked earlier. Yeah. It was a very pregnant Ali Isom. <laughs> um, he invited me to be deputy chief of staff, communications director, and spokesperson. So wow. I was there for three years, and then I went to work for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. I worked there for six years, the first three in public affairs as the director of family and community relations, where I worked on LGBTQ issues, women's outreach, interfaith issues, race issues, you know, the things that need a lot of dialogue sure. and stakeholders at a table. That was my portfolio. And then I was the head of global branding for the next three years, at a the... role they called the director of institutional messaging. Um, That's a big job. It, well, or title. I'm, it's because uh, they're, they're still becoming accustomed to the conversation around branding and identity. And sure. my role really was to lay a foundation for that conversation and to understand how leaders and representatives of the church could speak to people of our faith and not of our faith all around the world. So That's so important. I yeah. yeah. And I and especially being right here in Utah, understanding mm -hmm. how much outreach um, the church focuses on. Very much. And I I'm just loving this tapestry that you're telling me about. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what do you want your five grandchildren to know about you and to say about you when you may not even be in the room? Well, the first thing is I want them to know that Grandma Allie loves them more than anything. Yes. They were, they, they're so cute last night, probably without their parents' knowledge. <laughs> they, uh, they, they kid messenger me. So we have um, Facebook Messenger for oh. kids. Oh, okay, And so gotcha. they call me live oh. and their cute little faces are on the video. And, you know, they're, they're only there for like three seconds and then they want to play a game and they're putting... <laughs> cat ears on me and on them. I have no idea what this game is, but things, music starts and we're all moving and jiving. I don't, I'm like, guys. You're like, but I'm going to go with it. I love you all so much and I'm driving. So I'm thrilled to see your fa beautiful faces, but I'm at a stoplight and I got to keep going. So right, right. just know grandma loves you. So number one, I'd want them to know grandma loves yeah. them. Um, and number two, sac some sacrifices are worth making. Yeah. That that when you surrender your life to greater causes, and, and you, if you want to make a difference on this planet, it's not going to come easy ever. Yeah. Like making a difference means stepping up when it's inconvenient. It mm -hmm. means speaking up when it's uncomfortable. And right. I, I, there's, there's a, an innate reward in that. There may not be recognition externally, right. but there's a sense of, um, of meaningful purpose in one's life when sure. you make those sacrifices for greater effort. And I think I've tried to do that in my career. You know, it going to work for the governor, some might call that a dream job. And, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was the pinnacle of public policy and engagement and communication. And I, I loved yeah. that role. And I thought I was made for that role. Like yeah. I was in my groove. And then two years in to that role, my oldest child passed away at age 21. Oh. And that that changes everything about your world, you know. Everything. It, it transforms And about your you. heart and Absolutely. your soul. Absolutely. Yeah. I came back from bereavement leave after six weeks and thought, wow, we're worked up over stuff that doesn't really matter. Right. Like, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really matter. 
and there's so many things that absolutely do matter we should be focused on and right and i just it just created clarity you know you go from like this cloudy broad vision to like okay i laser know. focus yes and um and i developed a framework that i used to prioritize those things to know what mattered most and i felt like i was um impatient with the politics of politics like i yeah i wanted to get things done so um you know, if I were to say like my life lessons from that experience that I'd want yeah. my children to understand, it's you can do hard things because hard things actually give you clarity and priority. Perspective. And per it's a shift huge in perspective. perspective. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and suddenly you realize there's, there's more capacity in you than you think there is. And there are a lot of people around you. Like this is a team sport. Life is a team sport. Yes. Yes, I love that. Lots of people. Even with us. you learned that even shifting away from basketball. Absolutely, <laughs> I have. I yeah, have. and there's a lot of lifting we do together. It's never won by ourselves. So, you know, if we're going to make progress on things that matter, there's always a team. There's always others. Right. And you know, I I think valuing others and seeing people and hearing people is so important to to oh. putting the right things first. Oh, I absolutely agree. Ali, I could talk to you all day and I oh, want to keep learning time. more about you, but I'm I'm so happy to know a bit about your story and see how you how you really have created this tapestry for yourself and you're willing to do it for us as well as Utahns, as Americans. I love the vision that you have for us. I love who you believe we are and what we're capable of. And I love that I see that extension and that challenge as a personal one. And I wish you all of the luck thank in you. this in this big decision, this huge pivot. Oh, thank um, you so much. And thank you for bringing us to the table so that we can listen and hear each other. It's my honor. It's a privilege to have been with you today. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks thank for your time. You. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.